Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Uh, Today on the podcast, I am going to go through every single team in Major League Baseball and identify uh, some of the major trades, the minor trades that took place uh, during the trade deadline and what their fantasy impact may be on closer situations, on playing time situations, on lineup situations. Uh, I try to be as comprehensive as possible. In addition, for each one of the situations where there's a new closer or a competition for a closer, I do a deep dive on the skills of those closers to try to identify who might be the best guy to target uh, in that situation. So hopefully you will help you will find this podcast helpful. Uh, we're, this is the big shakeup uh, before uh, before the end of fantasy baseball. You know, this is when guys are going to get new opportunities, guys are going to lose opportunities, and you need to uh, be smart in how you use your fab resources or your waiver wire um, in targeting those folks and, uh, and, and trying to push on and turn the trade deadline into a positive for your fantasy baseball team. So I'm hoping that this podcast will be helpful uh, in that. Uh, if you are interested in analysis of the big tr- three-team trade that sent Yasiel Puig, Fran Mil Reyes, and Logan Allen to uh, the Indians, sent Taylor Trummel to the Padres, and sent Trevor Bauer to the Reds, um, I covered that on Tuesday's podcast, the last podcast that you saw. And then there was also some news and notes that were covered in Monday's podcast with Bubba, uh, the, the bat flip, uh, Bubba and the Batflip podcast that we do on, weekly every Monday. So definitely check those two out. If uh, You'll hear me reference the fact that I went into detail on those guys in that podcast. So there's a lot of overlap. Definitely listen to these three podcasts. These are like the uh, comprehensive trade deadline series of podcasts. As usual, if you have not already, please do go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review for the podcast. It's super helpful in get in spreading the word in the algorithm that Apple, I, Apple and iTunes use in determining which fantasy baseball podcast people see. And it's also great to hear feedback from people. Um, it's awesome. It's always a highlight of my day uh, when I read a, read a new review or see that a five-star rating uh, has come through. So thanks everybody who has already done that. If you have, please do like, retweet, share the podcast, let people know that you really appreciate it and why. You can reach me on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. That's definitely the best place to reach me. I also have a website, BatflipCrazy.com, a YouTube channel where you can see some videos, some instructional videos, uh, at BatflipCrazyFantasy on Facebook. Actually, I don't even know why I'm including that. I haven't checked my Facebook and my Instagram accounts for a while on this, so my bad. Um, Yeah, let's dive right into this uh, trade deadline. Uh, It was really exciting, especially after the trade deadline passed, 1 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, It was kind of nuts to see like some of the bigger trades trickle in, Granke, Castellanos, uh, Aaron Sanchez, Wow, what a what a week it has been in baseball. All right, let's get this party started. As I mentioned in the intro, what I'm going to do is just go through each team and, and highlight the relevant moves, both trades that took place, players coming in or players going out, uh, and what that has meant or uh, what that means for uh, different players uh, on that team. So I'm going to start uh, and just go through af- alphabetical order, starting with the Braves. Obviously, the big brave, um, big move for the Braves uh, is uh, Shane Green coming over from the Tigers. Um, he's going to replace Luke Jackson in the closer role. Uh, that was confirmed today um, uh, by uh, the Braves manager. So far this season, Green, uh, 38 innings pitched, 43 strikeouts, uh, 1.78 ERA, 0.87 whip, 22 saves. The one thing that I'll highlight, though, is just the amount of regression that Green is due. He's got a, he's, uh, got a, one, a 178 BABIP so far this year and an 85% strand rate. So both of those are due some major regression there. A 345 Sierra and a 387 XFIP. If you look at the Woba X Woba, he's got a 221 Woba and a 282 expected Woba. So outperforming that expected Woba by 60 points. 
Uh, what I would find comical, because I'm not a Braves fan, apologies to all the Braves fans out there, is if all of that regression takes place uh, when he's on the Braves, which, to be honest with you, would not surprise me at all. If we look over Green's last 15 games, 10.5% swinging strike rate, so right around league average, 85.2% in zone contact, right around league average, 70% first pitch strike rate, which is solid, 50% zone percentage, that's solid, a little high though, means he's just around the zone a lot, 85% in zone contact rate, right around league average, and then 33.8% of his pitches were balls, which is uh, below average by a good amount. And then he's got a CSW of 31.4%, which is better than league average. So overall, the skills are fine. I would say that they're middle of the road um, overall. I just think, um, you know, I understand that Green is a quote-unquote experienced closer, but I don't see any skills here uh, that weren't already possessed by Luke Jackson. Um, and I know he has not pitched well recently, and the skills have deteriorated as, as well. But when we look at the skills compared to Shane Green's, they're not all that different. Um, and Jackson has shown that he has a higher upside because earlier this year he was showing some really, really strong skills. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. But Green is now the closer. That's the major change for the Braves. The other change um, with uh, Nick Marquez getting injured is Ender Inciarte uh, getting everyday playing time. He's hitting towards the back of the lineup. Discussed him in depth on the last uh, podcast with Bubba on Mondays. Um, he's batted as high as six, but mostly he's in he's batting seventh or eighth, which is limiting plate appearances. He does have a couple stolen bases, which is great. But you know, overall, if you're not looking for stolen bases, I don't see a ton of value with Inciarte. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks up next. Obviously, one of the big movers. Really like what they did. Um, obviously, Granke is a really good pitcher, but they're, I think, the one team who, yes, they have a chance at getting the wild card, but when factoring in the percentage chance that they're going to get the wild card, in addition to the percentage chance that they'd win the wild card to get into an actual series, thought it was better to uh, build for the future. And I think they did a really good job doing that, moving Zach Granke for a slew of. Uh, prospects from the Astros. I think it's like their prospects three through six or something like that. Um, some solid uh, pitchers for the future. Um, Seth Beer is a hitter, you know, obviously going to the NL hurts his value a little bit. Uh, not very good in the field and very, very slow. Uh, but uh, Josh uh, Rojas is also supposed to be uh, really nice uh, and comes recommended from people uh, I trust and respect, including uh, Alex uh, Chamberlain. Um, Gallen, uh, Zach Gallen, it was the big piece coming over from the Marlins for uh, Jazz Chisholm. Uh, I talked about Gallen on the last, last podcast. Uh, a solid floor guy, limited ceiling guy for me, just from what I've seen so far. Obviously, a very small sample size and his first time um, in the big leagues, but I haven't been. Um, I think he's been a little bit fortunate uh, so far. And if you're interested in why I think that, uh, go back to last week's. Um, episode of the podcast where I touched on some starting pitchers um, and he was one of them to get the in-depth look. I really like this. Uh, I don't like the move necessarily for the Diamondbacks. I mean, Gallon obviously is um, solid moving forward, so it's not a terrible move, but I do think that Jazz Chisholm is going to be a star. Um, he is one of the younger players in A, and while he has a high strikeout rate, he also has a high walk rate. He hits for power. He hits for speed. Um, and so that doesn't come around that often. I think the Diamondbacks probably feel like they have a couple of guys behind Chisholm who might be able to fill that gap. Uh, Gerardo Perdomo, I believe. And then there's a, uh, a guy who's much further off in Leover, Leover Pagero. I don't know if he is going to be a shortstop or not, but he's uh, gotten some hype recently. So maybe it's uh, the D-backs felt like they could move uh, Chisholm because they have some backups in the organization who can take over there. Uh, when Nick Ahmed is done, and Ahmed obviously is a strong defensive shortstop, but they do lack um, some arms. And so Gallon, uh, Gallon helps them out there. Overall, Gallon should slide into the lineup into Granke's spot, so I think he's still going to pitch. Um, the other big uh, change is um, 
Greg Holland moving off of the closers role. Touched on this as well, but just wanted to dive into it a little bit deeper. Uh, So Archie Bradley takes over. He's been a lot better, as I mentioned on the last podcast recently. I definitely still have concerns, though. Over the last 15 games, an 11.8% swinging strike rate, uh, an 86% in-zone contact rate, um, 31% O-swing, 40% zone in the zone, and a 74% first pitch strike. 35.9% of his pitches have been balls, so that's right around league average. Um, And then 31.7% CSW. So definitely better than league average, but not elite by any stretch of the imagination. The key change to the improvement um, in his strikeout skills has been the addition of a changeup. He has not thrown that before. He introduced it in May. Um, It peaked at about 15% of usage over a 15-game period of time, but has now dropped to 10% of his usage, which may be why um, his skills have fallen off. Um, in the last, uh, if you if you go to like a ten or a five game rolling average, um, you'll see that they've dropped off considerably recently because he's throwing that change up less. I think even more important than the highest it being the highest swinging strike rate pitch for Bradley, it also is the biggest chase rate at forty two percent. That's something that Bradley has always struggled with with his control is getting to folks chase getting hitters to chase pitches outside the zone, and that is something he's been able to do with that change up. Um, so I like Bradley, don't love him. Um, but you know he's a solid option because it looks like he has uh, the job, uh, and and I will say that um, Terry Lavulo generally sticks for a long time with the guys that he has chosen as closers, and so I would be surprised if that was different for Bradley. Next up, Baltimore Orioles. Not much on the trade front for the Orioles. Um, they don't have many pieces. Uh, that are in the majors right now that have much value, and they're certainly not going to trade from their minor league system unless they were getting an upgrade. Um, but one guy to keep an eye on a little bit is Jace Peterson. He has been getting de- uh, he has been starting for the last uh, week or so at third base. Mike Podhorzer over at uh, Rotographs had a nice article just highlighting some of the changes he's made this year. Um, he isn't known for his power, but he has shown some this year in the minors. Who hasn't? Um, but he's been really unlucky so far in his uh, very brief 26 plate appearances in in the majors this year. He only has a 228 WOBA, but he has a 371 expected WOBA. So he is hitting the ball hard. He has a career 11% walk rate and 21% K rate in the big leagues, which is really good. Um, a really good combination there. Uh, and he already has three stolen bases in 26 plate appearances for the Orioles. And so if you are looking for speed in a deep league, like 15 teams and above, AL only, uh, he may be worth a shot. And who knows, you may get a little bit of power to go with it. Next up, uh, the Boston Red Sox. As folks know, they held tight. Brandon Workman looks like he's the closer at this point with Nathan Eovaldi waiting in the wings. Uh, Eovaldi did have three strikeouts in his last outing, the best one he's had so far. The only other thing I'll mention is that Matt Barnes is lurking a little bit in the background. He's been dominant over the last month after struggling in June. So definitely keep an eye on it there, but I still think Workman has earned the trust so far of Cora, and I'm not sure that Eovaldi has. Uh, Andrew Kashner had another terrible outing today. Uh, Not surprising at his at all. He did go through a brief period of time earlier this season when his skills um, were a lot better, uh, but it's really been a lot of BABIP luck that he was riding when he was on the Orioles. Um, He gives up way too much contact, doesn't have very good control metrics at all. It's a recipe for disaster, especially in the AL East. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the Red Sox were thinking, although I guess he's giving them innings. Uh, Chicago Cubs up next. They obviously added Nick Castellanos at the last minute. Uh, In the first game today for the Cubs, he was batting second, which bodes well. It's a really nice place to be um, in front of some very good uh, hitters uh, in Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo. Uh, The only challenge that I see is his defense. He may be pulled late in games as a defensive replacement. Having him and Schwarber uh, in the outfield is not going to be a great look uh, for their pitchers necessarily, so we'll see how that works out. Castellanos has been pretty mediocre this year, a 335 WOBA and expected WOBA. Everybody seems to think that there's going to be a huge park factor upgrade for Castellanos, uh, but I'm not so sure about that. Uh, Wrigley isn't really a great hitter's park. Um, It's actually a downgrade according to baseball perspectives park factors um, for right-handed batters in both runs and home runs. Uh, The bat, Derek Carty put out uh, a great tweet, which I retweeted, 
uh, which just kind of pointed out what his projection system has as the changes in value for each player based on where they're moving. Castellanos was holding steady a 355 WOBA for his projection rest of season uh, in both uh, at both Detroit and at Chicago. The main difference now being obviously that he'll, he's part of a better lineup. That should help his run scoring, but, you know, again, batting second, he's not going to get a ton of RBIs with the pitcher uh, batting ninth in an NL lineup. The one thing I'll say about that is that Castellanos does hit a ton of balls very deep to right center, which is an albatross in uh, Tiger Stadium. It's just a, a, the worst place in baseball to hit a ball really, really hard. And so that may be a unique situation where Castellanos could see an improvement just because of where he does barrel the ball up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether that comes uh, to fruition or not. Recently, Castellanos' contact rate and hard hit rate are both up. Um, he is swinging at pitches outside the zone a ton. Uh, but you know who knows the 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 Cubs may be getting him at the right time. Tony Kemp, uh, he's not super fantasy relevant. Um, you know he was playing for the Astros on a pretty consistent basis earlier in the year. Uh, NL only leagues, obviously. He started the last two games, hitting in the back of the lineup. I don't see much value there, especially with Ben Zobrist potentially uh, returning on the horizon. So not much much of a change there. One thing to note is that the Cubs are planning to activate Cole Hamels from the IL on Saturday, based on today's news. Chicago White Sox, in a bit of a surprise, they held pat. They didn't make any significant trades. They're keeping Alex Colomay, which is good for my fantasy baseball team. (laughs) Um, But uh, I know a lot of folks who follow the White Sox were a little bit frustrated that they didn't move him. I was really surprised that I never really heard any solid rumors on his behalf. You can let go of your Aaron Bummer shares at this point in time. Yuan Moncada got injured on Monday. That's a bummer for fantasy owners, especially folks in my situation, where he's the only guy that can slot into second base on one of your teams. Uh, uh Uh-oh. Ryan Goins got the start today at third base. Um... You know, I think the White Sox moving forward, especially while Moncada is out of the lineup, are just a really good team to target uh, streaming starting pitchers against. There's just not a lot there um, outside of uh, Jose Abreu. Uh, Cleveland Indians, I provided full analysis of all the players involved in the massive trade um, on the podcast on Wednesday night, I want to say. No, Tuesday night. Um, So take a look at that if you want a detailed analysis of that. In today's first game with the Indians, uh, Yasiel Puig was batting cleanup. He looked really good, stole a base, um, hit a couple balls really, really hard off of Garrett Cole. Franmil Reyes batted sixth uh, with Jose Ramirez sandwiched in between those two. Uh, The Indians lineup all of a sudden is really strong, really deep with some very dangerous hitters uh, throughout the lineup. Um, that's just something to note. I mean, when you think about Fran Mill, he's going to have Jose Ramirez, Yasiel Puig um, in front of him, uh, Carlos Santana, just a lot of, there's going to be a ton of base runners at the top of that lineup, and that's going to be really good for them. Uh, I think they may take over the, overtake the Twins. We'll see. Um, they're obviously going to miss Trevor Bauer, but he he's pitched pretty well, but not that well this year. Um, and I think they should be able to manage against other AL Central lineups enough with the improved lineup. One thing to note, Jake Bowers shed a giant tear, was optioned to AAA, um, as, what, as was Greg Allen and Logan Allen as well. Uh, another key piece of that deal was sent to AAA. It will be really interesting to see what they're able to do with them. Obviously, Jake Bowers, I think at this point, is a drop. Tyler Naquin is going to get the start um, in... Uh, left field against uh, against left against right-handed pitchers, and for that reason, Bowers was not going to see enough at bats. So they are going to work with him at AAA. Overall, you know, we may see Bowers later on. Very disappointing season for Bowers. He wasn't atrocious. Um, you know, like he didn't get sent down to the minors right away, but he just never was able to make the quality of contact that was necessary to be successful. And even with the really solid foundation and plate skills, he struggled with strikeouts at time, didn't walk that much. I think because pitchers probably felt like they could challenge him in the zone. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but that's certainly what it looked like. And, you know, hopefully there are better days ahead for Bowers, but this year is going to, I'm going to take a big fat L on that one. Cincinnati Reds are up next. Trevor Bauer is obviously the big new addition. He's going to go on Saturday at the Braves. Should be fun to see how he does in the NL. 
there seems to be a little bit of clarity coming to the Reds lineup situation. It looks like Josh Van Meter with Scooter Gannett leaving will get the starts versus right-handed pitchers at second base on the strong side of the platoon. That's really good news for him. He actually stole a base yesterday, which is nice. Has a little bit of speed to go along with that pop and really a really nice foundation. Uh, Philip Irvin looks like he's going to get every day at bats in the outfield against potentially lefties and righties. Um, It'll be interesting to see with the next right-handed pitcher uh, what happens there. Today, they were going up against Max Fried, and he was in the lineup. Jose Peraza will probably get the starts at second base against left-handed pitchers. And then Aristides uh, Aquino was brought up from AAA. He got the start today in place of Jesse Winker uh, against lefties, and so that may be his role with the team moving forward. Similar to Van Meter, he's another guy who, who changed his swing this year and has been able to flourish in AAA with the happy fun ball. Uh, slightly above league average strikeout rate in the minors, slightly below league average walk percentage. Definitely some power. He hit some monster home runs in AAA. A little bit of speed. will be interesting to see what he does. I think he's kind of just a, a watch and see what he does in 15-team leagues. Irvin is a guy who you want to get in 15-team leagues. He may have some potential um, in 12-team leagues as well. One thing to note about Irvin, he does have one of the biggest gaps between his WOBA and expected WOBA. He's got a 425 WOBA and a 305 expected WOBA. And the underlying numbers aren't that great. 30% O swing, so pretty much league average. 80% in zone, 71% overall contact that's below league average by about five percent in each place 40 percent hard hit rate is slightly better than league average 36 percent fly ball rate is solid but again the 305 expected woba points to the fact that he's not making a ton of solid contact but he does have a nice little power speed combo so you definitely want him in your 15 team leagues the one thing that i've mentioned before right now he has a 3.2 percent barrels per plate appearance well below league average But as I mentioned with Van Meter as well, is sometimes there's a lot more variance in batted ball quality uh, than there is in things like contact rate. And so for that reason, things can change pretty quickly um, if he barrels up a couple balls. Uh, Josh Van Meter, I covered him on the podcast, like I mentioned, uh, really solid profile. I like him a lot. The only challenge will be if he's out of the lineup against lefties every single time, if you're in a weekly league or uh, a league that changes in the midweek, you just have to be cognizant of the matchups going into that week and how much playing time he's going to get. Next up, Colorado Rockies. Nothing really doing for the Rockies. Um, Herman Marquez was injured. One guy that I do, I am interested to see if he gets more playing time down the stretch just for the Rockies to see uh, what he brings is Garrett Hampson. If you're looking for stolen bases and he's still available in your deeper leagues, I definitely look to grab him, maybe hold him on your bench for a little bit, see if he gets uh, a run of games towards the end of the season. There are a lot worse things than having a starter with speed and a little bit of pop in Coors Field. Detroit Tigers obviously traded Nick Castellano, so that opens up a spot in the lineup. Ty Demerit was acquired from uh, Atlanta for Shane Green. Um, he has been hitting the, uh, for a ton of power at AAA, like uh, a lot of people have. Um, he strikes out a decent amount, not a crazy amount, but also definitely has some legit power. He is being brought up to the majors. I would be surprised not to see him in the lineup tomorrow tomorrow being Friday, so definitely check that out. I think in deeper leagues, if he's getting everyday playing time, um, he is worth a speculative add uh, in 15-team leagues if you need some power, um, you know, because if he's getting everyday opportunities in the AL Central, there are worse places uh, for that to happen. Shane Green is obviously out as closer, so that leaves that this so the closing job likely falls to Joe Jimenez. Jimenez has been the closer and waiting for a little bit. I know folks have been adding him for like two years now, uh, waiting for the day Shane Green either loses the job or gets moved out. He's never really succeeded in the big leagues, despite having some really nice looking stuff. 493 ERA this year and 42 innings pitched, a 129 whip and a 59 Ks in those 42 innings. That is really nice. He has great skills, 15.3% swinging strike rate, a 23% K minus walk rate. The skills are down over the last 15 games. He's been unlucky, a 335 WOBA and a 308 expected WOBA, but the 308 expected WOBA still isn't good. Um, That's, you know, slightly worse 
than league average for a hitter. Uh, or, or for, it's slightly better than league average for a pitcher, but not fantasy relevant pitchers and certainly not relievers um, that you're going to be rostering. He has struggled mightily with quality of contact. He's giving up more than two home runs per nine innings and has a 9.4% walk rate. That is a terrible combination. He is prone to very, very big innings. So it may be a situation where if you're in roto and you are not as concerned you need saves and you're not as concerned about your ratios, you may want to add him. But in head-to-head, he could be a very dangerous add, especially around playing time. Uh, Buck Farmer and Trevor Rosenthal are also in the hunt, but they're not super good options. Farmer's skills have eroded uh, recently. They've been pretty bad. And then Rosenthal, uh, we all know how much he struggled with the Nats. That's just not somebody that I really want to touch uh, at this point in time. Uh, Houston Astros. Astros obviously made some big big moves as well. Uh, picking up Zach Granke was big. He's going to start on Tuesday uh, for the Astros. He uh, is, It's an upgrade for him moving from uh, Chase Field to uh, the Crawford Boxes and Houston. While the Crawford Boxes are short, Houston plays as a pitcher-friendly park, and his wins should go up or his, his opportunity for wins goes up considerably moving over to Houston. It's going to be really, really interesting to see him uh, pitching for that team. They also acquired Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini. Sanchez is scheduled to start on Saturday against the Mariners. Uh, Urquidy, I think it's Jose Urquidy, um, was already uh, sent down to Triple A, so it seems like that major question is answered. Aaron Sanchez will start in the rotation. Looks like he'll stay there with Urquidy being sent down to Triple A. This is a bummer for me. I was a big fan of Urquidy. I just spent a bunch of fab this last weekend picking him up in 12-team leagues. Um, so definitely sad for this year, uh, but he has shown some potential. So maybe this is a chance for you to grab him in dynasty leagues uh, where his value may be uh, low. Maybe if a team is in competition in the dynasty league, you can trade him uh, and add him for next year because I do think he's shown uh, some really nice skills so far. Uh, the Astros are obviously magicians, but I'm still skeptical on Sanchez. His sinker sucks. His four-seam fastball sucks. His four-seam fastball is a career 158 WRC+. plus. That's really, really bad. Uh, the curveball is solid, but uh, it's not uh, a great pitch, I'd say. I definitely expect him to throw it more, though, now that he's moving to the Astros. He does not throw it in the zone that much, 36% uh, zone percentage, and so I'm not sure how much he'll be able to up that percentage without running into some control issues, but it'll be certainly interesting to see if the Astros can continue their magic uh, and turn Aaron Sanchez into a valuable piece again. Kansas City Royals, no major changes for KC to the disappointment of their fans. They didn't trade Ian Kennedy or Billy Hamilton, so that's very good news for Ian Kennedy owners. He's been a very, very serviceable closer over the last little bit, uh, but obviously Royals fans are disappointed they did not uh, add any pieces for the future, and I think they have very much a right to be. Um, Oh, they did trade, trade Homer Bailey, but the return was not... Uh, that good. And I don't think anything fantasy relevant for this year. Los Angeles Angels, nothing major. They did trade for Max Stassi when uh, the Astros traded for, ooh, I forgot about this one. Houston Astros, they traded for Martin Maldonado, and it looks like there's going to be a timeshare between him and Robinson Chirinos. So Chirinos may get a little bit of a dent in terms of his value, starting only one out of every two games um, and not uh, every game. It'll also be interesting to see what happens from a pitcher perspective, just because I know some of the pitchers have already worked with Maldonado. I believe Justin Verlander is a big fan. And so it may be a situation where he matches up with specific pitchers, and he is a better defensive catcher than Chirinos. So the Angels added Max Stassi. Um, He's slightly interesting. He has some power, but he strikes out way too much. Uh, Generally not a fan of his. It'll be interesting to see how much playing time uh, he gets. Exciting news, though, um, not in uh, trade deadline news, but after the trade deadline passed, the uh, uh, Angels did promote Joe Adele to A. so we could see him as early as September, probably a 50% chance that that ends up happening. Uh, but if you are in a keeper league, you may want to stash him. Dynasty leagues, I'm assuming he's already owned. Um, you know, my, uh, I think I think... You know, this promotion shows that they're going to be aggressive with Adele, and I would not be surprised to see him starting in the outfield along with Mike Trout uh, next year. That's going to be a formidable 
twosome for uh, years to come. He's probably the number one prospect that's close to the majors at this point. Um, him and Luis uh, Robert seem to be the the two kind of major prospects with Wander Franco as the best prospect overall, but still a little ways away, although he's been so good, who knows, he could be up next year at some point too. Uh, but Joe Adele, that's really, really interesting. If he comes on the market in September, that will be, um, it'll be fascinating to see what happens because he is uh, really uh, uh, looks to be very good. He's batting over 300, slugging over 500 uh, at double A as I think a 20 year old. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, no big moves from a fantasy perspective. They traded uh, for Alex, I think it's Alex, uh, Korolek, who was a relief pitcher for the Rays. It doesn't change anything from a fantasy perspective, really. Jed Jorko came over, comes over from the Cardinals. He may get at-bats against lefties. Um, he's kind of a lefty killer, but I'm not sure that that's going to have any fantasy value uh, outside of deeper NL-only leagues or potentially uh, deep daily leagues where you can have him uh, hitting only when he's facing a lefty. And they also signed Christopher Negron or, or traded for Christopher Negron from the Mariners. Negron is a 33-year-old journeyman. He hit two home runs in Coors earlier this week. I still don't see him being fantasy relevant, although to be honest, the Dodgers have done have turned crazier things into very valuable fantasy commodities. Dustin May. Also, I want to just note like how much Max Muncie and Tyler White look alike. Like, just take a look at those two side by side. It is absolutely remarkable. Dustin May is getting a call up to start on Friday. Um, this is big news. May is one of the best prospect pitching prospects in the minors. Pitching for the Dodgers is a great place to be, number one, because they're just awesome from an analytics perspective and from a pitcher de- pitching development perspective, and also awesome because they've got a great, terrific offense. And uh, he, if he pitches, and he pitches decently well, he's likely to get some wins. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how he does uh, on Friday. Should be fun. Really, really fun time in baseball right now. Miami Marlins, they went a bit crazy at the deadline. They picked up a future superstar shortstop, in my opinion, in Jazz Chisholm. He hit his first home run for the Marlins organization today. They did give up a big piece in Zach Gallen. Uh, I love Chisholm long-term. I mentioned this earlier, 18 home runs, 13 stolen bases, a 12% walk rate, even though he does have a high K rate. Um, and he's young for uh, the... Um, He's young for double-A, so I think he's going to be really, really good. Miami traded Sergio, Romo, Nick Anderson, uh, and Nick Anderson, so that opens up their closer role. Uh, Jarlin Garcia and Jose Quijada are likely to take over the closer role. It may be a committee, but I'd lean uh, pretty heavily towards Garcia. Uh, On the season, Garcia has a 9.5% swinging strike rate, 84% in-zone contact rate, a 27.6% CSW. So, you know, at or below league average strikeout skills. Um, His first pitch strike rate is at 50%. In-zone percentage is at 44%. His O-swing is at 31%. So mediocre control metrics as well. 34.9% of his his pitches are balls, which is below league average. So that's nice overall from a control perspective. He's got a 227 WOBA and a 268 expected WOBA, which is really nice. The one thing that I'll point out, though, is recently Garcia in his last 15 appearances has been really, really good. A 13.4% swinging strike rate, 82% in zone contact rate, uh, a 28.7%, um, uh, or actually, uh, sorry, a 13.4% swinging strike rate, 82% in zone contact rate, 37% O swing. He's throwing sliders on 42% of his pitches. That's his best pitch. That is really, really nice, and so that's why I lean heavily towards Garcia. Quijada, on the other other hand, for the season, 13.6% swinging strike rate, 76.6% in-zone contact rate, a 28.7% CSW. Those are better than league average, um, at least the swinging strike and the in-zone contact rate are, but the control metrics are very concerning. A 58% first pitch strike rate, 41%. 41% zone rate, but only a 30% O swing. So he doesn't throw a ton of pitches in the zone and he doesn't get folks to chase a lot. 
The result is 40.2% of his pitches have gone for balls, and even his CSW, despite having high swinging strike rate, is only 28.7%, right around league average, so not very good. Where the concerns for Quijada really come in is that he has a 94% strand rate and a 250 BABIP, so expect some significant regression on both of those. A 364 expected Woba, and he gives up two home runs per nine inning. Again, home runs and walks in the closer role or any relief role is just a very, very bad combination. So if I'm going to target one guy uh, for Fab this weekend, or if you're in a daily league for tomorrow, it's definitely going to be uh, Jarlin Garcia. Uh Garrett Cooper is injured. He's not on the IL, but it, and it's unclear where he's going to return. He's also been slowing down a little bit. I actually dropped him in a 14-team OBP league. I think he still has a lot of uh, value still in average leagues because he hits for a high average. But in 12-team leagues, if he remains injured, I don't see a problem with moving on from him. Um, you know, the Marlins lineup has just gotten even worse. Uh, the one thing I'll say is Elisir uh, Hernandez now has a pretty clear role in the ro- rotation now that there's uh, another opening. So I think he stays there for the rest of the season. Pablo Lopez now has a place to return. And obviously the Marlins traded uh, Trevor Richards. Um, in addition to Nick Anderson, I will cover uh, Richards when I talk about the Tampa Bay Rays. Milwaukee Brewers, not much fantasy relevance from the Brewers. I covered uh, Jordan Lyles uh, on the pod with Bubba. I'm not impressed by him at all. I don't think he is rosterable in uh, anything but NL-only leagues at this point. Um, uh, For fantasy relevance, Drew Pomerantz comes over as a bullpen piece. Uh, I'm doubtful. I I doubt he closes in some hold leagues. He may have some fantasy value. I think he's most likely going to be kind of a post-opener guy or a long relief option uh, for the Brewers when they need uh, two uh, innings or so, or as a lefty specialist. He has been pretty dominant recently. Uh, Not a trade, but Trent Grisham was um, promoted from AAA. He's very much worth monitoring. He has great OBP skills throughout his minor league career, but he's hitting for batting average and more power this year. He also has a little bit of speed, so he can contribute uh, across the board. He's up for the A series, uh, and he where they have the the option for the DH, where the Brewers have the option for the DH. So it may be a short stint, but he also could spell Ryan Braun, um, who always has at least one scheduled day off uh, during the week. And so it'll be interesting to see how they use Grisham, but he's definitely somebody in 15-team leagues um, and above who's worth uh, monitoring and or doing a speculative add-on because I do think that he could contribute across the board. Uh, Eric Thames seems to be the winner with Jesus Aguilar going to the Tampa Bay Rays. I'll cover him when I talk about them. Uh, But that could be good news for Thames. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with Thames versus lefties. I assume that he's probably still going to be out of the lineup, uh, that they'll find somebody else to cover first base. But uh, the person who would do that is not uh, jumping out in my mind right now. Uh, Definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with Thames playing time because if he's playing every day, It'll be, uh, it obviously increases value a little bit, although he struggles against lefties, so maybe not that much. Minnesota Twins, I covered the Romo deal on the podcast with Bubba on Monday, uh, but I expect to see him and Rogers used in the highest leverage situations based on matchups. So I do think he could find himself in some situation, uh, save situations. The Twins also added Sam Dyson from the Giants. Um, he blew a save today. He came in with a 4-1 lead four to one lead and then allowed the first four batters to reach giving up a run before Taylor Rogers came in uh, uh, got them out of the situation overall but not before uh, the game was tied four to four uh, Dyson has been solid this year at 274 expected Woba 247 Woba he's limiting walks this year which is really key for him his K rate is never going to be very high because he throws that sinker a ton But overall, he's been solid. I wouldn't expect, particularly after this latest situation, him to get uh, too many looks in very high leverage situations like save situations, but valuable in hold leagues. CJ Crone should be back soon. I believe he was supposed to start his rehab stint uh, 
today or yesterday. I remember the first game was rained out. The New York Mets, obviously, uh, Marcus Stroman. I covered him on the podcast with Bubba. The Mets have a favorable schedule over the next week. They are surging right now, and people are very interested to see where this goes because they could very soon become playoff contenders. They obviously didn't try. I'm using obviously a ton today. I apologize. Uh, Noah Syndergaard was not traded. That sets them up to have a rotation for the remainder of this year of DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, and Wheeler. Very, very solid. Um, you know, next year, uh, DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Stroman as well for at least one more year. Whether or not they sign Wheeler uh, remains to be seen, but obviously a very good pitching staff. Other than that, no major changes from a fantasy perspective with the Mets. The Yankees, no deals of fantasy note for them. Fans are definitely not happy, and the media uh, is definitely not happy with the Yankees not making a move for a starting pitcher. Luis Severino may be close to returning, but I'm not holding my breath for him being uh, of much help this year. Oakland A's, the major trade they made was uh, trading for Tanner Roark of the Reds. Roark has struggled mightily recently. His swinging strike rate over the last five games has plummeted uh, to 6%, which is terrible. All of his skills are headed very quickly in the wrong direction. His fastball velocity is down 1.5 miles per hour as well. So we'll see if he's able to turn that around going to the A's. Uh, Derek Cardi's bat projections actually have Roark as the biggest winner um, from his projection before the trade deadline to afterwards. He was projected for an ERA of 4.75 before the trade deadline. It's down to 4.25 now because of the park factor. Uh, Oakland is one of the best places to pitch. Uh, and so maybe Roark can turn himself into something useful. Uh, but for me, it's just deeper leagues, 15-team leagues, where I'm looking at Roark. The Phillies picked up Jason Vargas from the Mets. He's serviceable in deeper leagues. His skills have actually been pretty good recently, but he still gives up too much contact and is vulnerable to uh, clunkers. Uh, so far, though, uh, so good in the last like month and a half or so. Uh, he has been strong. He's a matchup play for me in 15-team leagues. I use him sparingly. I believe he is going to be starting uh, on Sunday, I want to say, uh, either Sunday or Saturday um, against the White Sox. So not a bad matchup for him there. Zach Eflin moves the bullpen in a corresponding move. Um, he has had a very, very rough month. Corey Dickerson was the other pickup for the Phillies. Roster Resource has him batting sixth against right-handed pitchers. Uh, that could be a really nice spot for RBIs with uh, Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, and others in front of him. Uh, Dickerson also gets a, a big upgrade uh, for uh, home ballpark. Uh, in addition to that, the Phillies did add a couple bu bullpen pieces. I don't think they're very good. Blake Parker and Mike Morin. I don't think they're really of fantasy relevance, even in hold leagues. Pittsburgh Pirates traded Dickerson, so that frees up a little bit of a long jam, log jam in the outfield. Uh, Brian Reynolds and Starling Marte will get continue to get reps out there. Milky Cabrera looks to benefit uh, as the guy who should get regular playing time as a result. Not much fantasy relevance except for deeper leagues. I don't know the Pirates' uh, system well enough, their prospect system well enough to know if they have... Um, any guy, any minor league players? Let's check that out really quickly. Um, by the way, the roster resource feature on Fangraphs is terrific. Um, so um, top prospects, nobody that I'm seeing right now who is close, um, who is an outfielder who might come in uh, and play outfield uh, instead of Melky Cabrera. So it looks like for the time being, uh, Cabrera is there unless you know they put Colin Moran there more often and uh, bring in a minor leaguer. Um, who knows? You know, Jung Ho Gung could play third base with Moran moving to the outfield. Or outfield. One guy I'm really interested in if he does start to get consistent playing time is Jose Osuna. I know he was suspended uh, based on the brawl with the Reds, but he's actually been hitting really well recently when given the opportunity. So he'd be an interesting add down the road if he gets access to plate appearances. San Diego Padres, the biggest winners for the Padres are Will Myers and Hunter Renfro. A little bit to a lesser extent, but still a, a winner is Manny Margot. That's pretty much the three outfielders that the Padres will put out there uh, nearly every day. That's really huge for Myers, Myers owners in particular after he was not in the lineup for uh, a couple weeks there. He's now been in, in the everyday lineup for about a week. 
Um, he still has that power-speed combo, and he's been hitting really well recently. He may also be available in some 12-team leagues after he was dropped. Myers, in the last 15 games, check this out, 84% contact rate in the zone, 79% overall. That 79% overall contact rate is actually better than league average. A 21.1% O-swing, that is elite. 53% hard hit rate, that is elite. And a 37.5% ground ball rate, and a 385 expected Woba over that time. Now, if Myers is able to continue these skills for the rest of the season, he could be a league winner with his power and speed. I may be a little bit biased. I have him in my three most important leagues, but I am hoping that he goes on a tear here uh, because we know he can go on a tear and he could steal a lot of bases and hit a lot of home runs here down the stretch, especially in meaningless games for the Padres. Hunter Renfro has been struggling recently with contact 79% in the zone, 69% overall in the last 30 games. His hard hit rate is down, but still strong at 43%. Ground ball rate is up, but still strong at 37%. O-swing up to 32%. So he's headed in the wrong direction on all those skills. He did hit a home run against Clayton Kershaw tonight. So maybe with a little bit more consistent playing time, Renfro can get going again. Taylor Trummel is uh, interesting fantasy-wise as the prospect picked up uh, from the Reds in that big three-team deal. Uh, He's not relevant for fantasy this year, but in dynasty leagues, he gets a downgrade of a park, but he's got a really good, he's more valuable in OBP than average. Uh, He always has a really high walk rate and he is a speedster for sure. So if you need those qualities on your dynasty team, now may be a good time to go after him. I'm sure his fantasy owners are a little bit bummed that he's moving away from the Reds system and playing in Great American Ball Park. San Francisco Giants, they managed to acquire a number of uh, nice assets, including Mauricio uh, Dubon um, from the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's without moving Will Smith or Madison Bumgarner, who they held on to for the stretch run. You can argue whether that was a good good idea or not based on the very small percentage chance that they make the playoffs, and that would just be the wild card and so on and so forth, but uh, they're still getting a long-term, an impressive long-term impact. Uh, They have a very nice uh, lower minor system. I think they're going to be very, very good in a few years. Um, And that is good news for Giants fans. Scooter Gannett is a a big downgrade, at least from his fantasy value, moving over to the Giants and and leaving Great American Ballpark. It also remains to be seen how the Giants are going to handle second base with Joe Panic being a staple there for a number of years. Uh, Gannett is obviously a much better hitter, but Panic has been there for a very long time. So maybe, uh, who knows knows how that's going to break down. I think the most important thing, if you're me, uh, is Will Smith uh, is staying put. All you Will Smith owners who invested in him at a lower cost earlier in the season, shout out to all of you. Will Smith is terrific. Uh, Madison Bumgarner also, I think people should probably be happy with him staying around. He doesn't have to worry about going to a worse ballpark. He's been good recently. The wins may not be as uh, plentiful, but uh, the ratio should remain uh, solid and very playable. The Seattle Mariners essentially traded their whole bullpen, shipping uh, Ronis Elias and uh, Hunter Strickland to the Nats. Uh, That definitely throws their closer situation into flux. One under-the-radar move that they made was uh, uh, picking up Keon Broxton from the Orioles. He was DFA'd. If you're in desperate need of steals and some power, uh, he may be a decent Hail Mary if he can get consistent playing time. So far, he's only played one game. He batted ninth. Uh, for the the Mariners, that was against a left-handed pitcher. If he gets every day at bats, though, just for the stolen bases and home runs, if you can if you can suffer that like 200 batting average and just hope that he goes on a Babbitt run, um, you know Broxton has been a league winner uh, in the past. I mean, remember that run he went on with the Brewers. If you could put something like that together for the Mariners, he could be really really big. Uh, so definitely don't overlook him in deeper leagues and AL only leagues. Uh, the top two candidates to close for the Mariners are Anthony Bass and Sam Tuivailala. Uh, Bass has an 11.3% swinging strike rate this year, 84% in-zone contact rate, a 32.8% 
uh, called plus swinging strike rate, 23.5% um, K rate. So about league average overall in terms of his strikeout rate may be slightly better than league average with the strikeout rate. Um, his problem though is that he cannot throw pitches inside the zone. 38% zone percentage and a 28% O swing, that is not good. Um, he does throw 66% of his first pitch uh, first pitches for strikes. That is very good, but 38.1% of his pitches go for balls. That's a couple percent worse than league average. That should show up with a pretty bad walk rate. Right now it's 7.3%, but I would even say that that should probably regress uh, to higher. He's only got a 16% K-minus walk rate. Not great uh, for a reliever or a closer. He's also been super lucky. A 268 WOBA, but a 321 expected WOBA. Uh, not great. Sam Tui-Vailala, I actually may, might like him a little bit more. I think Bass gets the first shot. 11.9% swinging strike rate over his last 15 games. That does include last year. He's only thrown 4.1 innings this year. 86% in-zone contact rate, 62% first pitch strike rate. 50% of his pitches in the zone, though. A 38% O swing, uh, so he does not walk guys. Doesn't strike him out either. 19.2% K rate. 5.5% walk rate, a 14% K-minus walk rate. His velocity is down this year, but he has a 283 WOBA with a 215 expected WOBA. Very, very small sample size there. Uh, I really don't like this situation overall. For fantasy owners, you're essentially hoping that you're going to get lucky with two unskilled, generally unskilled relievers, at least you know, with, with from a strikeout perspective. Um, and so you're relying on the contact not to be that great. And that doesn't make me super comfortable. So this is probably the last place that I would want to speculate uh, on closers. Um, you know, that is what it is. St. Louis Cardinals, the cards didn't go after anybody except for trading Jed Jerko to the Dodgers, much to the chagrin of their fans uh, who were hoping that they were going to make a big move. A lot of good jokes out there about how the Mets uh, came calling, but they were asking for Harrison Bader or Tyler O'Neill, and Mazaliak was not willing to do it. I literally wonder if Mazaliak is just too afraid to make a trade at this point because he's made so many terrible trades that he's just like, ah, well, maybe if we just don't make a trade, I won't make a bad one. They do have Matt Carpenter and Marcel Ozuna and Yadier Molina uh, on the mend, so they should return the lineup soon, and they are on fire. It is unbelievable, though, how bad some of the trades Mazeliak has done, has made, uh, trading Tommy Pham to the Rays. We all know how that has turned out. Um, Genesis Cabrera could turn out to be okay, but he hasn't shown it yet. And then they also traded Oscar Marcato to... The Indians, and look how well he's doing. So really terrible trades from the Cardinals' perspective. So maybe it was a good thing that they didn't pull off a trade. Um, but, you know, nothing nothing really changes at the trade deadline for them. <clears throat> Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa made a bunch of moves. They traded for Jesus Aguilar, Nick Anderson, and Trevor Richards. Uh, they also made uh, some corresponding moves, sending Nate Lowe to AAA, which is brutal for folks who have stuck with Lowe. Um, just tough. I have him in a bunch of places, and I guess he's going to be a drop this weekend. It's also really hard with uh, with Lowe because he uh, he doesn't hit against lefties. So like this week, two out of the three games against Boston were against lefties, and then one of the two games against the Marlins are against lefties, and so you really couldn't start him all week long. So maybe this is uh, a blessing in disguise for fantasy owners. Aguilar started today against a right-handed pitcher. He batted sixth. It's unclear how the Rays, with all of the first baseman types that they have, um, what they're going to do from a platoon perspective. Aguilar was in the lineup, but uh, Travis D'Arno was not. And so when D'Arno's back in the lineup, um, if he's uh, not catching, if he's at first base, who knows? There's going to be a lot of shuffling pieces, but if Aguilar can get more than just the left-handed short side of the platoon at bats, um, he could be really good, especially if he's getting every day at bats. He's been very good recently after the early season struggles. Part of those were poor skills, but part of those were also a lack of luck, which has changed recently. So definitely monitor those situations. He, I think he's definitely worth a speculative lap, uh, ad if he's somehow available in like a 15-team league, um, just to see how the platoon works out. And then in 12-team leagues, he's also, I think, work, worth a speculative ad just to see how things go down. The Rays lineup, while it's not the best lineup in the world, they do get runners on base. Um, and he his power plays anywhere. And so um, I think we could see some really nice things from Aguilar uh, for the Rays here down the stretch. Uh, 
Anderson gives the Rays a great bullpen arm. They traded Ryan Stanek uh, to the Marlins. Uh, Stanek uh, on the Marlins doesn't seem to have too much value outside of just being a regular old reliever. Um, it will be interesting to see how the Rays use Anderson. I'm assuming he's not going to be in the running for the closer role. Um, he will likely be serve as an opener, similar to what Sanic did, would be my guess. And then, uh, you know, once a week and then towards the back end of the bullpen um, after that. But he's a really, really nice piece. Uh, his swinging strike rate this year is over 17%. He's been one of the elite relievers uh, throughout this year. And then Richards has been optioned to Triple uh, A. Uh, to to uh, stretch him out because he was working from the bullpen. I think once he's stretched out, he's going to be in the rotation for the Rays. Not sure how I feel about it. I've, I had kind of given up on Richards. He has the very nasty changeup, but um, the fastball isn't good. He doesn't have another breaking pitch um, to really work with, and so I think hitters have been have been gotten wise to him. It ends up being, and he can't throw the changeup for strikes really. So what ends up happening is he ends up walking a ton of guys. Um, and gives up some solid contact, and that's never a good option. There's certainly hope, and the Rays have done um, magical things with some pitchers in the past, so it'll be really interesting to see uh, what they do here uh, with Trevor Richards moving forward, but he's always got that changeup, and you can definitely uh, work off of that. I will say the Rays did trade uh, Jesus Sanchez to the Marlins, so the Marlins pick up another potential impact left-handed bat. I know that there are some concerns that Sanchez does not have the plate discipline or the contact skills to be successful, but um, he has been, you know, good at every level of the minors that he's been at so far. Uh, Texas Rangers up next, they traded Chris Martin to the Braves, so that frees up the closer role there. Jesse Chavez got the first save, and it's unclear whether um, he is going to continue in that closer role, um, whether it'll be a committee or, you know, if Jose Leclerc is going to be given another shot. Leclerc clearly has the best skills um, in that bullpen now, but he has struggled so much when called upon to be the closer that I'm just not sure whether the Rangers are just going to say, hey, you know, let's take... Take the rest of the year, you know, get yourself right, pitch as well as you can. Maybe next year he starts off in that closer role um, and they give him another shot. But whatever it is, he has just really struggled whenever given the opportunity this year there. Obviously, small sample sizes. I think he can be a really dominant closer. Um, I guess we'll find out pretty soon whether he's going to get that shot this year. As discussed on the pod with Bubba, the biggest change for the Rangers is Willie Calhoun now getting near everyday playing uh, playing opportunity, at least on the strong side of a platoon with Joey Gallo out. Another big move the Rangers did after the trade deadline, they DFA'd Asdrubal Cabrera, who has been playing actually really, really well recently. They also DFA'd Tim Feder- Federowitz. Um, that is not fantasy relevant, but I thought I'd add it in there. It'll be interesting to see if Cabrera does latch on anywhere. He could have some value um, because, you know, he's not great defensively, but uh, the guy can hit. I mean, over the last two weeks, he's shown really good plate discipline, really good contact skills, hitting the ball hard, hitting the ball in the air, everything that, that you really want to see. So let's see what happens there. The interesting move is that Isaiah Kinner-Falefa was called up. He's actually going to play third base, not catcher, but he is catcher eligible in every single league. And so that could give him a lot of value moving forward. So if he is on the wire in your league, uh, look to add Falefa if you are in need of a second catcher, uh, because just that volume that he gives you and the decent batting average should be good enough. And I think he's going to get everyday playing uh, opportunities there. So should be interesting. Toronto Blue Jays, uh, they made a ton of bad moves. I mean, I don't think there's any way else to describe what they did unless everybody in the prospect industry and other places is wrong. Um, you know, they didn't get, uh, they traded Stroman early on, well before the trade deadline. It seems like they didn't fully explore everything that they could get. Obviously, they were looking for pitching because they have such good offensive prospects. But would they have been able, been able to get something better from other folks? I don't know. Why not wait another day and, and figure it out? Um, I've heard that point made by a couple of people, and I think that rings true to me. And then they traded Sanchez and Biagini to the Astros, and all they got back was Derek Fisher. Um, I'll cover Fisher in a second. I will say with the closer role um, for the Blue Jays with Ken Giles being injured, Justin Schaefer got the save yesterday. Schaefer's definitely, uh, he's at least of interest as a short-term ad. 
He's pitched okay recently. The skills are nice. In 10 games since being brought back up from the minors, he's got a 14.6% swinging strike rate, 79% in-zone contact rate, a 28.1% CSW. So the CSW isn't great. The the swinging strike rate and the in-zone contact rate are really, really good. First pitch strike rate is at 64%, zone percentage at 44%, O-swing at 36%, all really good control metrics. It doesn't pan out with the walk rate at 12%, but only 35.1% of his pitches are balls, which is lower than league average. So all the control metrics being better than league average makes me think that there's some significant regression due on that walk rate. His K rate is 26%, so slightly better than league average, 14% K minus walk rate. Uh, he has been getting hit decently hard, a 334 Woba, a 357 expected Woba. Um, but this is the point where you say, well, X Woba is not predictive, so maybe there's a better days ahead for him from a quality of contact perspective. The skills are certainly more intriguing than a lot of the new closers that are out there. Bo Bichette was called up uh, and has been on fire since being called up. The one thing that I will note, though, is that in the four games he has played, he has not attempted a stolen base. Um, So that is something to monitor because I think a lot of people are going to be looking for him for speed. He has been very impressive. His contact skills, um, his play discipline has been okay. It's been getting better. Um, Obviously, super small sample size, so I'm not even sure how I can say that. But um, he's looked really, really good um, and is a definite add in all formats and the top of people's waiver wire ads uh, upcoming. But again, it's unclear to me whether the speed is going to be there. I mentioned this on the podcast with Bubba, but he only has a 45 speed uh, uh, tool uh, according to Fangraph. So he, he, it doesn't seem like he's that. Actually, let's do that. Let's, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to look up what uh, Boba Shett's uh, sprint speed is what his sprint speed has been so far. We'll go to zero opportunities here. This is this is some real interesting stuff. So Bo Bichette, ooh, Bo Bichette, his average, spe- his average sprint speed is 26.4 feet per spe- second, which is well below league average. So maybe he hasn't had the opportunity to fully sprint, but Again, like if the speed tool isn't super high, even if you steal bases in the minors, it's a very, very different situation. And so I don't know if we can really rely on him for speed. It'll be interesting to see what he does this weekend. But um, Bo Bichette uh, playing really, really well so far. Derek Fisher came over for Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini. Uh, Fisher, he's an interesting add for fantasy purposes because of the power-speed combo in deeper leagues, that is. It's unclear how much he's going to play. There's a little bit of a logjam in the outfield. Teoscar Hernandez, Randall Grichuk, uh, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. are there. And then the DH spot is being used um, for either Bichette or um, or Kevin Biggio. It could be that Freddie Galvis goes to the bench uh, and Bichette moves over to shortstop, Biggio over to second base. There's enough people where they can do, you know, where maybe he could start every five out of six, just like everybody else in the lineup. We'll see how it works. But Fisher, so far, he has strong plate discipline in his career, 312 plate appearances with the Astros, 23.6% O-swing. That's very good, but bad contact, 77 in in the zone, 68% out of the zone. Both of those numbers are almost 10% below league average. Uh, Too many ground balls, 53%. His hard hit rate is solid at 38%. But in those 312 plate appearances, he has a 201 batting average, a 282 OBP, 10 home runs, 9 stolen bases, and a 303 career expected WOBA. So not good so far. You're really banking on him being better than he has been for the Astros. We'll see. Maybe with consistent playing time, he can get there. He does steal bases, although the Blue Jays don't really steal bases. So... Who knows, but I think in a 15-team league, uh, if you need speed, you pick him up just to see what you can get maybe. Um, In Ale only, obviously the same. And then finally, a whirlwind here in in under an hour. It's at 59.07 right now. Washington Nationals, no fantasy relevant moves by the Nationals. They added Ruinus Elias 
and um, Hunter Strickland, but uh, they're not taking over for Sean Doolittle at all and don't, aren't really fantasy relevant, maybe in holds leagues, but they don't really have the skills that I'd be necessarily looking for uh, since they don't have huge K rates, um, things like that. So, all right, that is a very quick wrap up of everything that happened uh, at the trade, at or around the trade deadline, trades, promotions of minor leaguers, minor leaguers, option people being optioned to the minor leagues after trades. A lot has happened over the last little bit. That is going to wrap us up for episode 88 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. A lot has happened over the last few days that really changes uh, the fantasy baseball landscape. Um, it's going to give new players opportunities to get in the lineup on a regular basis. It's going to shut some players out of the lineup on a regular basis. A lot of closers have changed hands. Uh, So the upcoming fab period, if you're in weekly fab leagues or the daily fab period over the next few days, uh, is going to be a really, really important place to invest some resources. Hopefully the podcast was helpful in kind of outlining some of the guys that you might be looking at in different size leagues. Um, But you know, the, this is the last major shakeup, maybe in September, uh, with some some uh, roster changes there. But I think there's been some changes to September rosters not expanding as much, and so that's just something to uh, note for folks. This is the major shakeup, so look to make your move now. Identify those areas where, if you're in a roto league, those categories where you need to improve, and if any of these guys help you out there. Um, if you are in a points league. Whichever guys are are better in points league, looking at that walk, that K ratio, looking at that power, the extra base hits, uh, the counting stat opportunities there. Um, If you're in a head-to-head league, try to avoid some of those relievers who may be really, really interesting because they're closers, but because of the walk rate and the high home run rate are very, very dangerous um, to add in head-to-head leagues where one blow up from a reliever could ruin your week and cost you the fantasy playoffs. So be thinking about all those things, a really exciting time of year in the fantasy uh, baseball um, in the fa- fantasy baseball world. So hopefully this was helpful for you and your fantasy teams. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. You can reach me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Best of luck with your fabbing this weekend. Take care and be kind to one another.